Hello, and welcome to Top 5 with Michael and Clay. We know you're all dying to know our opinion on, well, literally everything, so we made this podcast. It's pretty self-explanatory, but allow me to mansplain. In each episode, we'll pick a topic and rank our respective top fives within that topic. We'll also include bottom fives and the occasional honorable mention. Because we know you'll get tired of just hearing what we think, we'll bring in a special guest every week to help us out and provide a list that we can ridicule. We'll argue, laugh, cry, call each other names, reevaluate life choices. It'll be a blast. Hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome to the sixth episode of Top 5 with Michael and Clay. Once again, I'm Clay Grimes. And I'm Michael Shutt. So moving in from what we discussed last week, when we were talking about TV show theme songs, one thing that we all hit on pretty heavily was the impact that Game of Thrones had pretty much on the TV shows and everything like that. So we decided this week we were going to discuss a little bit more into Game of Thrones, specifically the top five, bottom five of the characters of Game of Thrones, which is going to be an interesting discussion. Yeah, this really was one that we didn't really plan ahead much to do. This wasn't a topic that we had put out there early on, but uh, last week's episode put this on our radar. We decided it would be a good one. I'll go ahead and throw the spoiler warning in now. If you haven't watched Game of Thrones, I'm planning on talking about some big moments. Same. So this may not be the best episode to listen to right now if you haven't watched it and plan on watching it. But also, if you haven't watched it and plan on watching it, what the hell are you doing? Um, you're in quarantine right now. It's the great, greatest time to do something like that. Speaking of which, our guest today is a good friend of ours who just recently watched Game of Thrones for the first time. Welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Noah Byros to the show. How are you doing today, Noah? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, so glad to have you. It's about time. It was too, too many episodes without a, a Byros appearance. That's true. We've been talking about what a good topic would be for him, <laughs> and uh, this one was perfect. Yeah, it is. And I'm really glad that I finally got around to to watching it. And the fact that, like Michael said, the quarantine time was perfect because I got to binge the entire show in about three weeks. So, yeah. So I'm curious, uh, you know, one of the things we like to start out with is just kind of how we feel about the topic and, and things like that. So um, what I guess my first question is, what took you so long to jump on this? I know that you're you're the kind of guy, this is very up your alley. Why, why hadn't you watched Game of Thrones? Well, part of it is kind of my approach to TV shows. I don't like waiting every week. I very much don't like waiting for every individual episode. So if there's a TV show that I can afford to wait and then binge watch, I will definitely opt to do that. And it was a big undertaking to, to think about trying to get into and watch the whole Game of Thrones, even though I knew I would love it. So I just kind of waited for this kind of an opportunity to do that. For a pandemic. Yeah, perfect. That's what that <laughs> yeah, just, just waiting around. Was it everything it was cracked up to be? It, yes, absolutely. I would say so. It's got, you know, it's got the fantasy aspects that I really, uh, those are the stories that I enjoy the most, I think. And then it's also got just incredible casting, acting, um, scenes, action, music, all of it. I agree. I think you nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I binge watched Game of Thrones starting, um, I guess the last two seasons are the only ones that I saw as they happened. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The, the waiting for the episodes every week was a real pain in the ass, especially at certain points. Uh, but so, so similarly to you, I didn't uh, see the whole thing as it was happening. Uh, had something spoiled for me ahead of time, but 
So like, like what we'll do for people today, probably. Yeah, perfect. That's <laughs> what I was also gonna ask. Like, did you you said that you were waiting, waiting, waiting? Had you had anything spoiled for you um, prior to watching it? Yes, in fact, I would occasionally go on and read some of these. Oh top five deaths in Game of Thrones. So like, <laughs> I don't know why I did that, knowing that I wanted to watch it, <laughs> but um, I would still see some of these things and be like, oh, I guess that's going to happen. Someone's going to get molten gold poured, poured under their head. So <laughs> ah, to be addressed <laughs> wait, wait later. For that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, this show, in part- I'm the same way. I sometimes can't help myself. This show, I wasn't watching when like the Red Wedding happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so many people were talking about it. I had to find out what the hell they were talking about. So, you know, the good thing about that is when you are watching the show, I guess you don't totally know that that's coming. Uh, You don't know that that's what that is, unless you've read a little bit about it. But I did piece it together before it happened. Kind of like, oh, shit. Some things are about to go down here. Um, And, yeah, I mean, the the reality is we're going to get into some of these and... I full spoiler alert ahead. I, I'm not going to hold back. Yeah, me neither. And I think it's fair to address that this episode is going to be based around the Game of Thrones TV show yes, and the characters from the TV show. Uh, I think I'm the only one who's read any of the books. I've read mm-hmm. only the first one. I can't read um, so. No, that's fair. Yeah. That checks out. <laughs> so I've only read the first one, but that's a very loyal adaptation with the TV. Well, I guess the TV show is a loyal adaptation of that book. Mm. But um, everything from the first season to the last episode is fair game, and that's what we're focused on, the TV show characters, um, not relation to the book. That's right. Uh, no, I'm guessing you haven't read the books. I have not, no. Yeah, I think you're much more likely to do it than I am, probably. Since um, he can't read. Since I can't read. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to learn. I do find it gets in the way of doing my job, but... Yeah. You know... Take it till you make it. Such is life. Perfect. Right, such is life. Let's kick this thing off. All right, perfect. Let's go. So do you want to say why you put characters in your top five? Why you put characters in your bottom five? Or we just want to like roll right into it? Yeah, I guess I'll I'll start that off. Um, generally, it's kind of a mix for me in terms of my reasoning. My top five are all, well, there's one exception, I guess. They're not all characters that I, I like per se at all times, but they're just really good characters. I do like most of them, but they're they're just good, well thought out characters. And, and likewise, for my bottom five, it's that one really is more of a mix because there are some characters that are in there simply because I hate them as human beings, but I also think that they are bad concepts, um, or at least poorly executed, I should say. Um, and then you'll see. I also thought about, and when this is Clay and I talked about a little bit ahead of time, my top five is all pretty major characters. There's, uh, my honorable mentions are kind of filled with those supporting roles mm-hmm. um, that I think are really good characters, but they just weren't on there enough. They didn't play a big enough role for me to say, this is a top five character in this major franchise. Uh, what about you, Clay? What, what was kind of your thinking? Kind of the same way, the characters that are on my top had such a strong impact on the show. They're really well thought out. They have good character arcs. They have a lot to do with the plot. And my bottom five are just characters that have no real impact on the plot. If they have an impact on the plot, it's very minuscule. It's not well thought out. There could just be more done with those characters. That's what makes them fall on my bottom five. Uh, what about you, Noah? What was kind of your the thought process behind your rankings? Yeah, I think for me... 
it was very difficult to sort of disentangle me liking the character versus being a good character. So you'll see, I, I, it physically pained me to put a character that I hated into my top five, um, but I did actually do that. So I, I tried to work around that and really emphasize sort of what you guys were saying, the idea that this character really contributed to the development of the story, the progression of the story, what's going on. Um, so trying not to get many minor characters in there and making sure that they actually did things that were significant in the, the progression of Game of Thrones. Nice, nice. Hey, let's roll into it. Let's see how this thing plays out. My number five is a major character, one that I like most of the time. There's a couple of moments where not so much, but my number five is Daenerys Targaryen. This, you know, strong candidate for a top spot. You clearly probably the, there's multiple characters in here. I think all but one of my top five, you could make an argument that the show is primarily about them. Like you could view it in the lens that this show is about this person. I think Daenerys is one of those, um, especially uh, so. Claire and I are in the middle of a re- of a rewatch of Game Who's of that? Thrones. Claire's uh, our guest from last week, my gynecologist. Your gynecologist, yeah. okay, yeah. So my coochie doctor and I are <laughs> are in the are in the middle of this rewatch. And when you go back and and watch it from the beginning, knowing the full arc with Daenerys, it really is like. They were, I mean, they were setting up bits and pieces of it from the very first episode, clearly. And, and all the stuff that's going on in the West at the beginning with kind of the rise of the Lannisters and the Stark-Lannister war and all, all that stuff, the stuff that Daenerys is doing totally removed from all of that is arguably just as important. And, and it's just, she is just kind of this rise from like, quite honestly, like little girl who doesn't really... Um, isn't super plugged in to what's going on in the world and stuff like that to arguably the most powerful person in this universe. It's pretty incredible stuff, I think. And, and I think she plays the character well. Uh, it's it's somebody that, like I said, at times you love her. And at times you're like, oh, girl, what are you doing? Mostly in the last season. Yeah. But, I, but I'm one of those people who think they set that up. Like, to me, it wasn't like, why is she burning this place down? And to me, it was like kind of a natural into her arc i think she that kind of saw that coming yeah i feel kind of half and half on that like she just barely makes it out of my top five because of that end of her arc. so she's not no she, oh, i know <laughs> so I, for me that ending season really kind of corrupted her character because like she's trying to get away from it and i can see the fall back into this whole targaryen mm-hmm. like evil like the going back to their roots whatever it is but i feel like daenerys like too many people hopped onto like the dragon train like oh she's got dragons she's really wow. well Holy that's shit. a good plus, a good plus. <laughs> what's wrong with but, I mean, at the same time she is a wonderful character i love her character her whole story in essos is phenomenal with mm-hmm. marine and the slave traders and the harpies I enjoy the whole story arc of Daenerys. Daenerys is one of the best characters in the show. I just think there's other characters within the series that have more interesting arcs, that have like more like twisting stories. I don't know. She she probably would have been like a seven or six. Or yeah, that's fair. What are your thoughts, Noah? I mean, I, I'm with you, Michael, on the whole, like this character is part of the reason, especially as you come to the end, like she's, just the crux of everything that's going on is so focused on Daenerys. 
And what is she going to do? What decision is she going to make? Uh, and that's, I think that's incredibly important for like the ending of everything, right? Because if she goes and burns everything, if she doesn't go and burn everything, that changes so much about um, what happens, I think. So uh, I agree in that sense. And I also agree with Clay on the, on the point that I think the end of her story makes her a less likable character, clearly, but I don't think it makes her less of a major important character in my mind. Yeah, I agree. I and and maybe this is influenced by the fact that I am in. I said we we're in the middle of a rewatch, but we're at the end of season two. So right now, she hasn't really done anything that's like, eh, you know, like any anything that's bad. I should say to clarify what that noise meant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's also like the memory of her walking out of the fire with the dragons is super fresh so in my mind now. That, that, what what a fantastic moment, you know. And I think like just thinking about she's got so many memorable lines as well. You know, she's already given the speech to the Dothraki in my rewatch about, you know, making your enemies pay with blood and fire and all that good stuff. She's got her whole break the wheel thing later. She's got the conversation she has with Masande where she does like, but we are not men. So all men must die, but we're not men. There's so much good stuff around her. I just think she had, I couldn't make a top five without her. Yeah, that's fair. But Clay could. I can. (laughs) So who's your number five, Clay? My number five, this is a character I believe has like a really strong, almost like perfect character arc, the Hound, Sandra Clegane. So I think with him, he has so many moments in the show where he's interacting with several characters. He has one of those like spiderwebby character maps that he interacts with, Brain of Tarth, and the Lannisters and Arya, and he has all these connections and every single person he interacts with, he has both a very similar connection, but a very different connection to each person in his final moments in the show where he's facing off in the mountain inside the falling King's Landing buildings. It's phenomenal. And he just grabs them and leaps off. Cause like there's no way else other than going to what created the hound into that fire. He was so afraid of. I think he's also kind of like a, a communicable relief mm-hmm. throughout the show. Yeah. Um, that one time he's got, I'm going to eat every fucking chicken in this building. Yes. <laughs> one of the best scenes in the show. So I think that character in his own right has such a strong arc where he's always pretty much doing the right thing, despite being a character who's characterized as always doing a bad thing. Yeah. Mostly early on. Well, he saves Sansa when the riot's going on and And he's just following orders when he has to kill the butcher's boy for um joffrey yeah well that's like episode two where they're trying to establish him as a bad cat like a bad guy related to the land but you're right especially compared to his brother who was just pure evil yeah i agree with you on everything you said about him i think his arc is great he just missed out on my top five but yeah his his He's got a, there's a lot of good redemption stories in Game of Thrones. Uh, and I don't, his, maybe he doesn't quite come like full, it kind, I mean, I guess in the simplest of terms it does with the way he kills mm-hmm. his brother come full circle. But he never like, I wouldn't say he becomes a, the honorable hero. Yeah. You know, but, but that wouldn't be right for him. That would be yeah, super I don't, I feel like that would be out of his character. I love his like later, with, when he's with Arya um, and they kind of like, their like relationship uh, is so interesting. There's there's a lot of good stuff with that. Yeah, definitely. And 
I think for me, I would agree with the whole very fascinating story arc. I love uh, the Hound as a character. And the only thing that kept him out of my top five was that that sense of doing kind of big picture things that impact the the progression of the story. Now at the end, he does some pretty significant things like Clay had mentioned, um, you know, jumping into the fire. Um, but uh, I think I would have, he's the kind of character who would have had my top five slot if I hadn't relented and given it to someone that I hate. So oh, that's um, fair. <laughs> what a great, great segue. What's your number five, Noah? All right, so this is the spot that I had to reluctantly give to one of my most hated characters. And my number five is Cersei Lannister. Good one. Um, Because I, as much as I dislike, very strongly dislike this character, uh, I think she does so much throughout the course of the show. From from the very beginning, you know that she is there to uh, protect her children, to do whatever it takes um, to protect and, and in her mind, do what's best for her children. Um, obviously, we know that that does not end up going so hot for her. But uh, she's she's so committed to that, and it leads her down this path that throughout the course of the show, you see it getting more and more and more intense and crazy and what's going on, and she's mass murdering people. And until, you know, she's really at that sort of that end and that crux of everything that's going on, um, she's there facing off against uh, against Daenerys, and I think that that impact on the storyline and and the the power with which she holds on, well, she holds on to her power um, throughout the show, uh, makes her just such a central and important character in my mind. Yeah, she's definitely another one that I think you could make that argument of like the show's about her. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. There's so many things like to me when I think about the Game of Thrones as like an actual, not like the, as the title of the show, but the, the game, the, the politics of all the things that are moving For the around. Iron Throne. Right, I think of Cersei. Like she is the one who from the start is like everything she does is a play for power. And, and the others, I mean, obviously most of them, the major players, most of their things are about plays for power, but not all of them. And, and not all of their actions. There are things that Daenerys does that are not necessarily about getting the throne things that she does on her way to the throne. Cersei, I think almost every action she takes is about trying to get power. I have more thoughts, but I'm going to save them for later. Yeah. Um, I will as well. Okay. So let's do number four. Number four. My number four, which I know is going to show up on at least one other list today, uh, is the queen of thorns, Aletta Tyrell. I say that because I know that Clay's favorite house is uh, House Tyrell. So I know she's going to be on there somewhere. There's a flag in my classroom. (laughs) Yeah. She, to me, is such a, like, there's so many things she brings to the table that I enjoy. But when she comes in in season three, there's parts of Game of Thrones that to me are kind of exhausting. The politics of it, like, everybody's, you can't trust anybody to be real. I feel like so many people are like, just there's so much uh, backroom dealing and things. And like, Olena Tyrell is just straight up. She says what she means. She is like, she cuts through all the bullshit. Uh, And I love that about her. She is the snarkiest character in the show. She's hilarious. 
the greatest backhand insults probably in all of television, maybe. I, I don't know. say that. Uh, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's, she's brilliant, you know, and I think just the way that she uses her intelligence and her wit to make plays, not necessarily for her own power, but she's also a person that I feel like while she is looking out for her family and her house, I think she generally has um, good intentions. Like, I think she genuinely believes in the good of the realm. Yeah, her morals are there. Yeah, and I think she's just a welcome addition to all the shit that's going on in Westeros when we meet her. Um, There's a a couple of highlights, obviously. I think uh, her confrontation with Tywin Lannister is amazing. And there's, there's, I mean, obviously her dying confession to jamie mm. uh chef's kiss it's chef's beautiful kiss. it's beautiful and so many of her highlights are our dialogue but also the whole scheme with the purple wedding to uh get rid of joffrey i think like she showed that she is a mastermind the only reason she's not higher for me is just that like long term she doesn't win like She's, she is a mastermind. She's clever. I think she's incredibly brilliant. But she doesn't necessarily always have the upper hand on the people that she's trying to uh, go after. So that'll factor into somebody who is a little bit higher on my list. Yeah, correct. Uh, Elena Tyrell is absolutely wonderful in every way, shape, and form. I will talk about her a little bit later. I'll go on my Elena Tyrell. I'm predicting right, right now that this is his number one. We'll get to it. Do you have any thoughts on Elena, Noah? Yeah, I mean, this is the the Tyrells, honestly, all of the Tyrells are uh I think the first time I watched, the only time that I watched through this, uh, it might help for me to go back and watch it because the Tyrells as a house and as characters were ones that I felt I wanted more on. I wanted more information, I wanted more backstory backstory, I wanted a little more on what exactly, especially like Marjorie Tyrell, but especially like what, what are they, what is their goal? What is their angle? And Elena gave more of that. Like you were saying, you, you see the ways that she's working for the good of the realm and what she's up to. I think you see a lot more of that in her, but I think the two main things that held me back, Michael mentioned, obviously she, she ends up losing the game. Um, and also just personally, and I know that can be at odds, like clay, them being your your favorite house, I'm sure you feel like they're they're really well developed characters and you understand it. So I think for me to get to that point and to make have her make my top five, I would have to probably watch the show again and understand a bit more about everything going on with the Tyrells. That's a fair point. Yeah, I am I am biased, but I'll once again I'll talk about it a little bit later. So well, that kind of leads into my number four, which okay. was uh, Noah's number five, Cersei Lannister. Okay, good. I think. Um, well, this is a character that Noah said that he hated with all of his heart. I love Cersei Lannister. I think she is one of the best developed characters. She is... on Her ruthlessness and her willingness to do absolutely anything makes her a wonderful character. I think she... Well, she's the one who has the quote, when you play the Game of Thrones, either you win or you die. Like, that is... That's season one. That's season she says that to Ned. One. And exactly, and every single huge death, she's got something behind. Ned, Marjorie, everyone in the High Sparrow, everything in there was her doing, 
when she's at her lowest of lows, where she is being paraded through the streets, her head is being been shaved, the walk of shame, she vows to uh, Lady Ulena that her face will be the last thing she sees before she dies. And yeah. she held her promise true. Um, and she's absolutely relentless in everything that she does. And she does it all for the sake of her family. She doesn't care about the realm, but she, she does it all for her family. I think the one thing that keeps her from being higher than number four is she got the garbagest of deaths. I hated the yeah. way that she died. Mm-hmm. She went out That's crying true. in the basement. Like that, that to me fit less than the whole Daenerys going crazy. Yeah, yeah. it was bad. I felt really, really angry that this massive character that was such a force in every single season, yeah. in almost every single major event, major event she got the, one of the worst deaths in the show. It was so aggravating to me. Um, but that whole prophecy of all her children dying, her saying that she's going to help fight the White Walkers and then turn against them, I think everything that she did, like Michael said, was a play for power. And I think she plays the Game of Thrones the best out of everyone, and she only just comes short because Daenerys has dragons. Yeah. Here's my question about her, because this is another conversation I was just having in the season one, season two part. It's kind of like she's presented to us, and, and there's this thing of like, you can, Cersei is evil in all things, but she cares about her family and her, her kids in particular. And, and the question I have is like, does she really, or is that, or does she see that as a valuable asset basically in the politics of all of this, that she understands that like that kind of makes her look good and also that her kids are assets because like in the beginning, it's like protect Joffrey, do everything for Joffrey because Joffrey is the one who has the, well, allegedly, has the claim to the throne. So I, I, and I'm not saying that she doesn't care about her kids. I'm just wondering, there's a part of me that watches this and is kind of like, how much, how genuine is that really? I think it's 100% genuine, especially when you look at Marcella, when they're, when Tyrion's whole plot to send her off to either the Eyrie or to Dorne or to the North. When she goes off to Dorne and Pycelle throws him under the bus, she literally has Roz, she thinks is Tyrion's girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, has her pretty much murdered and says to Tyrion, when you will lose something you love and that happiness you're showing will turn to ashes in your mouth. She definitely cares about her children more than anything else. Over Jamie, once all three of them are out, she only has Jamie, which ruins his character arc. Ugh. And that's true. I guess the argument for her legitimately caring about her kids is the fact that when her kids are all gone, that's when she kind of just dissolves. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Plus, I think one of the the things that makes it hard to believe, because I had that same thought, the thing that makes it hard to believe that she actually cares about her kids is she is such a ruthless, and many people would just say like, oh, she's an evil character. Like, she's doing so many bad things. Well, like... I think like Clay said, it doesn't mean that she doesn't care about her children. She just does so from that sort of that style of like, she's ruthless. She can be, she can be a terrible person, but um, it doesn't mean that she cares less about her children. She just does it in that way, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, so we talked about casting the show. Oh, nailed it. Like, I don't know a better person I could have played Cersei Lannister than uh, Lena Headey. Yeah. It's, Perfect. She she like becomes she is Cersei now. Oh, absolutely. 
I don't know what she's worse. done since yeah. then, but... Dude, the first time I saw her in something else was when the first time I watched, what, 300? And I was oh, like, oh yeah. my god, that's Cersei Lannister. Yeah, but I couldn't see her now as anything but Cersei. Oh, hell no. All right, Noah, what's your number four? My number four is Daenerys Targaryen. And uh, I I love this character. I do think I loved her more early on. And as she sort of dissolved into uh, the fire-breathing rage monster, make the dragons <laughs> burn everything. Um <laughs> that that was when like michael said you know the girl what you doing um so all all the crazy shit that happens at the end of the show is what brought her down on my list Uh, i think if she had been a really like likable kind of that that um fuck the system like we're gonna topple the power we're gonna uh fight for the people i think she might have been higher on the list but still obviously michael went through a lot of the reasons i don't think i need to reiterate a bunch of them like started from nothing, became this incredible, like arguably the most powerful force um, in Westeros. And, um, and also just has, has those moments where you really, really like the character and what she's doing and what she's about. So Yeah, yeah, I do agree. If she'd gone wire to wire as like champion of the people, because she was that for a while, and, and she obviously loses, kind of loses her way on that, as she sort of kind of tries to become Cersei. Yeah, I think that's the only reason why she stayed off my list is because the whole point, like, the where they're alluding to her Targaryen insanity, like, there are certain things that could have definitely been kept, like, when she burns the Tarleys alive. Yeah. Like, that could have been stayed to, like, show that she's going down that path. Mm-hmm. But if they had kept her character, character arc true to, like, her beginning... Yeah then you wouldn't have lost that whole strong female lead that just doesn't lose the insanity that she has to die in the very end. Yeah. I feel like there could have been a whole thing where, yes, she probably should have died in the end. I think that's a great way to end the character. Mm-hmm. But I that whole path ending in her actual going insane, I just really disagreed with. Yeah. My biggest complaint about it is that it was rushed. I didn't mind rushed. what they did. It was the way they did it. I think just that complaint I'm on board with, but yeah, anyway, this is all good. Like we've kind of, uh, my number three kind of fits in perfectly with this because it is Cersei. This is like, I think Cersei Lannister is arguably one of the best like villains in anything. I just think like she's so dark and evil at times, but such a complex character. She's fascinating. I think there's a, there's a whole thing of this of like feminist icon Cersei Lannister of like she is this powerful woman in a in a world where men rule trying to work her way up to the top and will do anything uh, to to do that. But even before she's like, I mean, I think you can make the argument from day one, she's got her eyes on the throne for herself. But even before that becomes something that seems more attainable she's really just trying to be viewed as a political equal. Mm-hmm. Like she just wants to be a part of it and have a chance at some influence. And then as time goes on and there's things that seem more attainable, she, there are things that happen that kind of harden her, uh, that draw her to, to into kind of doing some more evil and, and hurtful things, damaging things. But, you know, I kind of, there's periods where she does something terrible. So like, after she blows everybody to high heavens and does, you know, all like seven heavens, 
yes, the seven heavens. I, at first, I thought you said seventh heaven. Like but there's something even when she's being like so evil that like I respect that she's still standing with all these likable, with all these honorable people, people like Ned Stark who are like seem like this guy's doing things the right way. Fuck the honorable people. Right. <laughs> they all die. <laughs> uh, and Cersei's still there. I love Cersei. She's she's great. So evil, but so like well done. I hate her. Like when I'm watching the show, there's moments where I'm like, I'm good, fuck you. But so well done. Such a great character. She's yeah, well written. Hey. My number what were three? Number yeah. threes. Um my number three character is Arya Stark. Uh in my mind, I'll have more to say on this later. She well. She's one of two of the star characters that actually I enjoy. <laughs> so she is absolutely, I think she has the most interesting storyline. Yeah. She never, I don't think she, oh, I take that back. She has one of the best character, like, personalities to begin with. Mm-hmm. She's like the little mischievous kid that runs around and like throws things at her older sister and makes her upset. But she never really loses that aspect of her. She just becomes hardened and like cold and I think that's kick ass and I think the best storyline in the show is uh, Arya in the House of Black and White with uh, mm. Jack and Hagar yeah yeah I think the many-faced god and that whole moral dilemma that she's dealing with herself she goes blind she fights the waif I love the waif waif could be an honorable mention for me mm. I think that character is hilariously well done and like mm-hmm. she's pure rage and jealousy but Arya's whole storyline from being in Westeros to Essos and she goes and she has to go to that fair, that a little theater place. And it, everything that Arya did was phenomenal. And her reuniting with the Starks at the very end was so kick-ass. She yeah. kills the Night King. Yeah. Um, her little scuff with Brienne of Tarth I thought was so cool because mm-hmm. they, they're equally powerful. And we all were, we've seen Brienne of Tarth be probably the strongest fighter in the show. Mm. So I, Arya Stark is just phenomenal. And like, once again, another perfect casting. I think Maisie Williams is a wonderful character for Arya. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to save my thoughts on Arya for a little bit later. Noah, if you want to chime in on her, if you want to go ahead and jump into your three, either way. Yeah, I think I I too will have definitely have more to say about Arya later on. Um, So... We all this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not a ton of controversy here. And maybe the controversy will come in the bottom. I don't I'm, know. We'll see. It's okay for us to agree sometimes. Or yeah, sorry, fans. It it might come right now. We'll see. My number Ooh. three is one that I don't think a lot of people would have expected, and some people might disagree with. Um, so my number three is uh, Varus the Spider. Oh, my number three character. Um, so my reasoning for this one, Clay is giving a look right now. This is my good. reasoning. My reasoning for Varus is uh, I wanted to step back from characters that I do like Varus as a character. I, I don't think he's like my most liked character, um, but I wanted to think. I took a long time to think about what characters are doing things to to kind of underneath the surface shape a lot of the crazy stuff that's going on. Um, and that's pretty much everything that Varus is about is, is this sort of, uh, behind the scenes, he's got eyes and ears everywhere. He's doing so many things that he 
and, and he sticks by like, you know, to the very end, he sticks by this. I'm want, I want to do what I believe is right for the realm, whether or not all of his decisions are in fact, um, what's right for the realm. But he has this, this, uh, power in his hands that I think at one point, uh, he, if I remember, he like was told to kill Daenerys or was supposed to kill Daenerys, um, was going to make that happen. And then that didn't happen. And even especially as he's influencing um, and working with Tyrion Lannister, uh, the ways that he is choosing what he's backing and choosing which which sides to contribute his power to, I think shapes a lot of how uh, the end of the story works out. And, you know, ultimately, I think that the controversy could also uh, come up in the fact that, yeah, he he loses and he doesn't end up being able to influence things in the way that he wanted to. But I think that character has such a sort of an unseen and he would want to want it to be unseen because that's how he works, but an unseen effect on a lot of the things that are going on, especially in terms of um, what's going on in King's Landing politically, as well as um, I mean, there's, there's countless, I can't even think of like, you know, sneaking people out of the city, sneaking people into the city, letting these little things that change the power structure happen and, and either allowing or not allowing them. Um, I think that he does so much there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he's arguably the most powerful, influential kind of side character supporting. He's like the political mastermind. Yeah. I like Varys. I, he's not quite top five worthy for me, but I, I do like him as a character. I think I just feel like you spend the whole show feeling like to me, there's not really like a payoff with Varys of like, He's doing all this stuff, but I guess because maybe he genuinely is just acting for the good of the realm and doesn't have motivation, like ulterior motivations like everyone else. I don't know. There's no, you don't know what his real goal. He always feels like he should have some other goal that he doesn't seem to actually have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think because especially he's so often, especially early on, presented alongside Littlefinger, who has all of the ulterior motives mm-hmm. <laughs> like you it's kind of a weird contrast that at times doesn't always play well with me but i mean i like Varys. i think you you do go through ups and downs of trusting him as a as a viewer there's times where you're like oh okay this guy is like not a bad guy at all and there's times where you're like oh i think he's terrible uh i like when he's visiting ned stark in in prison at uh, the end of season one and Ned basically says like you just stood there while I got betrayed and all my men were killed and Varys is like well, what the fuck did you expect me to do <laughs> like I'm not I don't carry a weapon I'm not armored I'm Varys like that's not my strength and I do like that about him that he plays within who he is uh, he's never trying to be more I feel like Clay doesn't like this <laughs> I think I'm going to take a card out of Claire's book and skip you because Hello. Ferris is my number two. Oh, he likes it a lot. I, oh. I, I gave that look because I was like, my list is done. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Ferris is by far one of my favorite characters ever in the show. When all of our friends were like assigning characters, like they said that if I was going to be a character, I would have to be Varys because yeah. 
it's such, he does such a good job of getting his fingers in every single pot. And where you were saying you don't know if he has an ulterior motive, I think that plays into his character so well as yeah. a foil to Littlefinger because you know Littlefinger, he's always got some really nasty motive and you can kind of read him as the viewer, but Varys, you cannot read him fully as a viewer. And That's he's true. helping all the right people. He helps Tyrion save the city. He doesn't help Ned, but he really can't help Ned. That whole scene where he is explaining to Tyrion how he became a eunuch and he unboxes that giant crate and there's the warlock who had castrated him and mm-hmm. he was like, I'm going to torture the living hell out of this man now. Yeah. Like, he comes back for vengeance and he is giving guidance to every single person always for the sake of the realm. He always had the sake of the realm in mind and even when that went against Daenerys, even though he told her, I would never go back on you, he always said my first interest was the realm. So when he tells John he needs to kill her, very end of the show, one end up happening. Yes. And I think his death was one of the deaths that made me so angry mm-hmm. because that was definitely the way that Varys should have gone. He should have gone as a result of one of his plots, but in the end, he was completely right. Mm-hmm. He was right on every. I don't can't name a, I can't name a time where he's been wrong. That's true. He, I don't know, he's phenomenal. And he's overall genuinely very likable. Yeah. And out of all the weird Game of Thrones theories that you come across on Reddit, my favorite one is that um, Varys is a mermaid. There's a whole okay. theory that Varys is a mermaid because if you track the map of Westeros and Essos, he gets from place to place a little too quickly. Oh, yeah. And he makes several references during the time. He's the only one to mention the existence of mermaids in the show. And then they ask him, why is he always wearing this long gown? He's like, you don't want to know what's like underneath the gown or something. Hmm. So people are arguing that Varys is canonically a mermaid. That's a really good way to defend bad writing because the <laughs> that's the thing that they do the worst on this show is the time time like it's bad i mean there's the obvious at the end with the, the freaking, dragons coming to oh save jobs knowing all of them freaking awful north of the wall but that's a pretty if you and like seeing some of it in the rewatch early on i think when i think it gets worse as they go through the show uh, of just the uh, their concept of time as writers, I, like, what do they, it's like they don't even exist as actual humans because, like, anybody could see that and be like, like, Varys is one that I think about often of, like, he is everywhere. How does he get to these places? And I think that fits his character nice, even if it yeah. is bad writing. Being also Spider and what Noah was saying with his little birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Organizing the execution, well, once he leaves, Kyburn takes over his little birds, mm-hmm. executing Pyso. Kyburn is one of my honorable mentions. But, um, yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I love Varys. I'm right on with Noah. I think Noah hit it out of the park, throwing it onto his list as well. I'll, I'll let you go back to your number two now. So my number two, um, this may surprise you, my number two is Arya Stark. Oh, wow. You shocked yeah. me. Yeah, you thought she was going to be number one. Arya is number two for me. I, look, this is a great character. I think what's great about her is she's the least, like, powerful of all the principal characters in the show. You know, she's not physically overpowering. She's not... Um, I mean, she's definitely smart, but, like, there are smarter characters, she doesn't have all these connections like somebody like Varys has, but she still manages to like 
do her thing and kick ass pretty much the whole time her early on she's kicking ass in a different way i love this part that we just kind of finished up on our rewatch where she's the cupbearer for tywin lannister and her kind of Mm -hmm. like covert work that she's doing there to learn more about him and some of the stuff that's going on is pretty awesome the reason she's not quite my number one well part of it is just how much i love the person who is my number one but there also are periods of time for Arya where I feel like they struggle to give her a really interesting thing going on. There are parts of the show that kind of drag in the Arya storyline where like even the, the House of Black and White part, there's parts of that that are just kind of like, it's been going on for a while. And like, where does this, you know, she's kind of a wanderer for a while where it's like things aren't, interesting things aren't necessarily happening to her. But the number of times she reinvents herself it's, uh, she's like the ultimate survivor. Uh, I know you, no, that does appeal to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I did when I made my list is kind of think of a few memorable moments for every character. So for Arya, I'm thinking, um, well, so her first kill um, with the whole like sticking with the pointy end thing. It takes, yeah, that's his name. And then I like when she meets Hot Pie and says like, I've already killed one fat boy. I'll kill another. <laughs> That's such a great, like, Arya sense of humor thing. But the other uh, great, I mean, all of her kills on her, like, list mm-hmm. are, are pretty great just because of the context. But killing Walter Frey, I mean, mm. that is iconic. Jeez, what a fantastic yes. scene. I remember Claire telling me, because she had read the books and had already watched by the time I watched that, I remember her, like, saying and she is guilty of doing this this is gonna you're gonna this is gonna be awesome okay well <laughs> thanks <laughs> uh, but him like that moment where he realizes that his sons have been like baked into the, like and then us uh, it's just so good like i and obviously killing the night king the way she comes in is just like it's such a baller move she's got a great little the, I, I already mentioned the the part where she's like she and the hound are like traveling buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just such a good. I, I love Arya. She's great. She's grand. I just think there's one character that's better than her. Sorry, Arya. Um, <laughs> sorry, Macy Williams. But uh, yeah, we'll get to that after Noah gives us his number two. Yeah. Well, I'll continue on with the, uh, the Arya Stark train because that is my number two, Arya. Um, I, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said about her, just the incredibly interesting arc, just all the things from um, the stuff with Jack and Hagar um, and sort of the, well, you're becoming no one, but she never, uh, I, I like the symbolism when she doesn't give up the sword, doesn't give up needle because she's unwilling to completely abandon like her family and the Stark name and all that. And then coming back to that and saying, no, like I am Arya Stark. Uh, I love that. And the main thing as far as a top character that concerned me putting Arya high on this list was like, how is she impacting um, the story as a whole? I think my, my liking for her really got her high on the list. Like she's absolutely one of my favorite characters. Love that character. Yeah. That's also fair. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you know, it kind of keeps her out of the number one spot, but also as Michael mentioned at the end, like trying to think of a more significant single moment than Arya killing the Night King for like, well, you pretty much literally saved Westeros. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Like <laughs> I, that's a pretty damn significant contribution to the storyline and, and to making sure that everyone doesn't turn into zombies. So yeah, it was like the, an eight season buildup that yeah. she finally gets to literally drive the dagger in the biggest hero of the entire show. Easy. Yeah. Now Arya Stark, she's just, I want to, I feel like I want to move her higher, but I just, the other two, I'm just more of a political, political figure. <laughs> well, that's what I struggle with too, is like, where do you want to fall? Do you want to fall on the action side right. of Game of Thrones? Do you want to fall on like the game game of Game right. of Thrones? Because Noah's right. She doesn't, not everything she does has like a big impact no. on the Game of Thrones, on the like world as a whole. The world thinks she's dead for like four seasons. Yeah. So she's like, her whole storyline is her discovering herself, which is like all fair and good. But Great it subplot, but it's is, not subplot. It's never been as like, she's not one of the characters that it's like a, the Game of Thrones is about, I would say. And I do love, that's true. I, and I do love how much that character like is, leans into being a subplot. At yeah. the end, it's like, she's not interested in having any power. She doesn't want that. She that's gets on the her. boat and tries to figure out what's past the map. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The top of the map. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Now we're at the top of the map. <laughs> yeah, she never wants to be powerful, <laughs> even from the beginning, really. All right, that's all of our number, number twos. Ones. Number ones. Here we go. All right, my number one, Tyrion Lannister. This is... <laughs> Clay, Clay doesn't like this. <laughs> boring and predictable. Uh, you thought Arya was going to be my number one. <laughs> This the reason this is if, if this is predictable, it's because he's far and away the best character. This is this is so mentioning the whole thing about like people that the show could be about, in my eyes, this show is about Tyrion. Like, there is not a major thing that happens that he's not somehow tied to. Yeah. Like he is in everything. There's a whole thing, and I don't know because I didn't read the books. I don't know, like what the legitimacy of this is, but there's all these theories, I guess, as to like who the narrator really is and who's the person who is telling this story. And Tyrion is the guy that makes sense because there's no part of the story that that we see on the show that he wouldn't necessarily know about. Even the things that he doesn't see, they're things that he could conceivably hear about from people because he has interactions with those people later on. Yeah. Um, there's a whole thing about one of the theories that I liked was that the end of the last scene in the show, there's a thing in the season one um, where he says he intends to die like an 80 year old man with a drunk drinking, on wine, drunk with on wine, with woman's the, mouth around his. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> sorry, mom. Uh, and um, <laughs> I thought there's a theory out there that I was kind of into that like the last scene of the show would be that. And he's telling, he's been like telling this story. Oh my God, I would have hated that. Yeah, I mean, it would have been corny as hell. <laughs> um, but it, it would kind of make sense too, because he is involved in everything and he's so smart. He's brilliant. Probably the smartest character in the show. Varys, mm-hmm. I think, is his closest competition. But Tyrion gets so much wrong all the time. But when he gets things wrong, it's, so that, that kind of leads to my second point about him. When he gets things wrong, it's a lot of times because he also has morals, like big picture morals. Okay. Like he has an idea of what's right. Morals are gross. But he, so here's what I think. Here's where I think it is: is like 
I, I like to compare him to Ned Stark because so Ned Stark, not nearly as smart as Tyrion, but Ned Stark is like the most moral character in the show. So Tyrion doesn't have the morals that Ned has, but he's also not gullible. He's not like, and that's what killed Ned really. And so you have a lot of, you have characters who are better at one thing than Tyrion. So like, okay, Tyrion's a great manipulator. Littlefinger's a more manipulative character and better at it. But I think Tyrion across the board, if you like viewed him as a video game character with like ratings in all these different areas, he like averages out as like, he's like Mario and Super Mario Kart, where it's like, this is the all around, like he's not necessarily excelling in one area, maybe, but like, you know, he just does everything fairly well, except for like combat, obviously. Um, (laughs) But he doesn't manipulate only for his own benefit. Uh, He's protecting the realm and sometimes his family to a point depending but even and when he's not protecting his family it's because of conflict with his other goal of protecting the realm <laughs> i'm not quite selling clay on this i think i mean i i do love Tyrion. i think Tyrion is a good character he's very important to the plot but he's just one of those characters who's like you're right i feel like he would be the main character but like is the main character the best character is that always the case well i don't i don't know i, I mean i think in this case in this case again you were just saying it's like making a decision of what part of this you're focusing on. So the politics side of this is the great part for me. And to me, he is that like he has his hand in everything. Yeah. Um, I think he just messes up too much for me. That's why he he's always awesome. rises above those things. I, that's what makes him so great is he does fail and always is able to rise above those failures to make something happen. That's right. I mean, it ends with him. Yeah. So, there's also the theory that Claire was a big fan of that he was going to be a Targaryen. He's the the other really good theory is Tyrion the time traveling fetus. Oh shit! What? <laughs> what? The whole theory is that the miscarriage that Dar- Daenerys undergoes. Oh um, shit! It, the witch like that was Tyrion. He's traveled back in time and put into the uh, the womb of Tyrion's mom which makes him technically a Targaryen. And they're like, whoever came up with this theory had the receipts yeah. because there's different parts of his life and different parts of stories that come from the pre-show Targaryen line that feed into this. Yeah, I, If you were listening and you would want to look up Game of Thrones conspiracy theories, Tyrion the time-traveling fetus is one of the... Sounds like a good one. It's a good one. I like that more than the mermaid one. It's very much more interesting. Yeah. But there's but I did very th- interesting. I bought into him being a Targaryen for a little while because, like, you know, you see like Jon Snow with the dragon. So you can, there's three. You're thinking, well, there were three dragons. So you're thinking like Daenerys on one, Jon on another, and Tyrion on another, and like, you know. But then, rip, <laughs> whatever rip dragon. Which one, Viserion? I was thinking the first, the ice. Well, yeah, Viserion. I see. I, I can never remember the dragon's name. And then the second one goes down. Um, oh, the second one was so unexpected. I did not. Yeah, I know. I, that one I didn't see coming at all. Rhaegar is the main one. Yeah. Viserion yeah. and... Drogon. Drogon. Oh, Drogon, right. Yep. Um, Comments on Tyrion, Noah, because I want to hear more from Michael. 
Uh, oh, you're done with your comments. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I I do have comments on Tyrion. Uh, I'm gonna hold on to them for the time being. Oh yeah, that's right. Unless he's put them in his bottom. Um, yeah, no, I'm personally lives in anger. All right, so my number one, Michael called it. I'm gonna put uh, Olena Tyrell, even Marjorie Tyrell. I don't know if I'm allowed to make two at number one, but I will. Uh, Olena and Marjorie Tyrell. No. Top six with Clay. Yeah, top six with Clay. New show. Uh, <laughs> it's abs- it doesn't get better than them. They, I don't think, I think Cersei plays the Game of Thrones the best, but she goes to the point where she takes out the Septa Baylor, so many innocent people, all the high spares, it's all her enemies in one, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But right before Olena dies, she's saying, I looked out for the best of the realm in my family the exact same way that Cersei did, but I didn't take it as far as she did. I couldn't have fathomed this to happen. Um, and she would have succeeded in helping take Cersei out and take out the Lannisters had it not been for the misjudgment of Tyrion Lannister at Castry Rock, which mm. diverted them to Highgarden and took her out. I was so mad. I was When we were watching that episode live, all my friends knew... I was going to have an emotional breakdown, and I did have an emotional breakdown. It was awful. Her death is probably the best death in the entire show because she has so many just witty slings at Jamie Lannister. Yeah. And throughout the entire show, there's no funnier character. There's no character you're rooting for more than her. I think she's just, she's never on the wrong side of your opinion. Everyone loves Olena. Sure. I don't know a single person who doesn't love Olena. She is. Probably one, yeah. Well, her. <laughs> She's probably one of the smartest characters in the show. Yeah. Um, and to give props to Marjorie, if I'm going to make it a double number one, Marjorie is just as brilliant. She's trying to come into because in the book she's canonically very young. She's still a very young character, but she's filling the the shoes that Olena is giving. She tells Olena to leave the city. Marjorie knows something's going to happen at the Septa Baylor, and she's only blocked by stupid. Freaking High Sparrow and his little birds and whatever the fuck they are. It, oh, that scene makes me so mad because everyone I love dies in that scene together. Yeah. But Olena does such a good job looking out for the realm, her family. She offs Joffrey. Thousand props to her. She plays yeah. it off mm-hmm. so well. Thank you. I, I, I just think, and like the Tyrells, they looked out for one another as well. Marjorie had the best interest of Loras. Marjorie had the best interest for Renly for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Marjorie has one of the best lines where she, uh, they're asking her, like, would you like to be a queen? She's like, I don't want to be a queen. I want to be the, the queen. queen. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And queen. she does. And she becomes the queen. And she takes Joffrey on. And she, she was my queen. Really, oh, exactly. Like, if I picked uh, someone who was in that race for queen the whole time, like... Marjorie Tyrell is also probably the most attractive person in the entire show. Her and Masande have it tied for me. It's... Ooh, I can't choose between her, Masande, and Daenerys. They're just all wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And I think they picked such a great person to play both characters. Yeah. Like, um, Natalie Dorman as Marjorie Tyrell, and oh, I'm blanking on the one character, or her actual name. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I had Marjorie she was, ready. <laughs> she was in um, the original King Kong. Uh, as like the, wow, so she's got a range. She, she was wow. a giant gorilla, and yeah, she was a giant gorilla. It's wow. crazy. Um, but I think the Tyrells are probably—they're my favorite house. They're the two best characters, and as the matriarchal house where all the power is dedicated to the women, yeah. I think they do the best job over Daenerys, over the Starks, 
over anyone like that. All right, yeah, so Clay, uh, in response to your number one, I feel like we haven't been controversial enough on this episode, God, so. Comes. Uh, Do not come for Olena. <laughs> I'm I'm only gonna say that I I hard disagree with this being a number one best character, and here's why. I think that if I were to rewatch the show, sure, I I'm, would probably like the character even more. And I think as a personality and as a character, she's fantastic. She's great. She's likable, lovable. Um, I I just am not convinced that she does enough for the story on her own to merit being a number one character. Like there's some very significant things, killing Joffrey, being a big influencer in the stuff that goes on around the High Sparrow deal in King's Landing. Um, but I don't know that, yeah, I, I don't think I could bring myself to put her as a number one in terms of impact on the story. So that's that's my Agreed. piece. But she has, I don't, she, she has a connection to literally all of the main characters the same way like, Tyrion does. She no. interacts with, well, not in the same way, but she has a connection to all of those houses in the way that she's represented as one of the powerful leaders of a major house in Westeros. People respect and love the Tyrells, and they respect and love her, and she's still behind the scenes doing all this manipulative Game of Thrones stuff that we love, and she's still getting the love and support of other people that aren't the Lannisters, like the Starks, like her, like Sansa and Olena's interaction, wonderful. Yeah. She's got Tyrion and Daenerys on her side. The only people that don't like her are the Lannisters. Yeah, and I mean, I mean the same is true for like Rob Stark. Well, they like, also recruited her to be the one of the main players in taking back King's Landing, and the only thing that fucked it all up was Tyrion. She's a good number four, I'd say. Well, that was rude. <laughs> she's my number one in every aspect of the word. Well, and to be fair to her, I I think a lot of the characters, if they die, you can't really like if she had stayed alive, and if it hadn't been for some of those things that that held her back, like yeah, she might have been a really major player into the into the end game of the show, um, and influenced a lot of things. So that you really can't speculate on that, given the fact that the person ends up dying. Um, so that is true. Well, Ned Stark would have been a major player too, yeah. but. <laughs> Right. And Rob Stark. Rip and Stark. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, things happen. All right, buddy, what's your All number right. one? Okay, so, sorry, Clay. Uh, my number one is also Tyrion Lannister. Let's oh, you boring. Y'all are so boring. But is it just, are you just saying that because it's the obvious choice? Yeah. So you know he's the best character. No, I know that people like him because he's, like, the quirky guy that's like trying to make his way through and he's he's got some really great moments like Tywin's death was phenomenal but I what's your Noah's thoughts I'm curious yeah Yeah, well so the main reason that brought this to the top even over someone like Arya who I I think Arya is fantastic and if it were for the character alone and like their character development I might even choose Arya over Tyrion it's hard Mm -hmm. to say but I think the thing about Tyrion that really stands out to me is in a similar vein to Cersei and the reasons that you kind of have to respect Cersei, there's so many things going against him in... Now, he has some good things going for him in the Game of Thrones with, well, having loads of money and being a Lannister. But there's so many things that are especially related to his family that are like stacked up against him with the way that his basically his dad hates him, his sister hates him, um... I think he gets put at 
a disadvantage in a lot of ways. Even like Michael was saying, you know, his combat stats, you know, in a world where you're killing people, people are, you know, in combat, like murdering each other. He's not going to stand up in that, in that realm. Yeah. He definitely drew the short straw there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I think he overcomes a lot of like, uh, not shortcomings, but difficulties that he faces as well as like the, you find that too funny. (laughs) The struggles, um, the, uh, the struggles that he goes through, like emotionally throughout the show, I I think a really important thing for, for a major or even a best character has got to be like the things they overcome and the struggles they go through. And he has so much of that that he faces throughout the show. And not only comes out like through that, like overcoming them, but is is a major major impact at the very end of the show. Like he he overcomes these things, but he doesn't let them be like, oh well, I'm just going to kind of go hide and and uh, feel sorry for myself or something like that. No, he's in it. Like he is in it to the very end. Um, he's influencing things, and even like we said, realizing him realizing that Daenerys is is going crazy and that all of this is uh, going to shit. Like he has to deal with all that and realize that the person that he's following is, is kind of turning into a, a renegade. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's so many things about him, like not only the depth of character development in the things that he goes through, but also the way that he maintains, uh, an impact on the game of Thrones on, on uh, the future of Westeros. No, I think it's, it's major in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think Clay's right. Like he does have failures. But I think that his, like, if you look grand scheme of things, I think that his victories really uh, dwarf his failures. You're on (laughs) (laughs) But I also think he's one of the few characters in the show that gives up at some point. He has a whole plot where he physically just gives up. And all the other characters that we talk about literally are facing other problems. Some of them not as severe as Tyrion's, but they don't give up. They never quit. Cersei does not stop. But don't you think that's realistic? Yeah, and I'm watching relatable? a fucking fantasy show with zombies and dragons. I, I want to hear emotional... <laughs> I still want there to be something real that I can feel, too. Like, there's... I'm Because some of it I'm watching and I'm like, really, Jon Snow? You're, like, still going? I don't well, no, I don't. He didn't make any of our top five, which I kind of thought he might sneak in. At like, I was like, I'm glad five. he didn't. I don't like. I have a stain towards him. Yeah. Tyrion would be my number, probably seven, and then he'd six be your number one if you were being honest about it. Why would I ever do that? But I think, <laughs> I think you're. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I like Tyrion a lot. Obviously. Where would we be as a podcast if I had said something informed? Um, we wouldn't have a podcast. Probably. Exactly. You're yeah. welcome. Now, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Let's do it. I've got a lot, but I'm gonna kind of fly through them. I think there's a common theme with all but one of my. Well, so there's there's one definitely that doesn't fit in the theme, and a second one kind of doesn't. A lot of them are kind of like sidekicks, almost like they're really great characters in the way that specifically that they support others. But I'll start with the ones that maybe don't fit as cleanly in that. Um, one Clay and I were talking about earlier, Oberyn Martell. This is a, a strong character. I think the main reason I don't put him in my top five is he was only on there for a season. But there's a lot of memorable moments with him, mostly his death. Um, but Oberyn is is a good character. I think he's fascinating to watch. Yeah, he's on there. The other one that maybe doesn't fit cleanly in the sidekick role, although he kind of is, 
uh, is uh, Littlefinger, uh, Peter Baelish. Yeah. I hate him. Like, I can't... What a skeezy little pedo. Right, like, I can't stand him, but I think he's a good character. He's fascinating. You're always wondering what he's up to. Season one, it's got the whole, like, should Ned Stark trust him? Spoiler, no. <laughs> but he tells Ned Stark that, too. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of what I like about him as a character, is he's forthcoming about how much of an asshole he is, for the most part. Yeah, I, I think he does... So he's obviously super manipulative. He does clearly have the same pedophile streak that a lot of them have. Common theme. Yeah, very common theme. But yeah, Littlefinger, I think good character in terms of like from the literary sense, bad person, if that's a real person. I, I would hate him. Uh, sidekicks that to me are great. Sir Davos Seaworth, love Davos. Uh, just also a funny character. He's a charmer. Love Davos. Uh, Brienne of Tarth. I love Brienne. My biggest, she was in my top five when I first made the list. The biggest thing is like, she just has this kind of, she's like too pure. Like she's the, I said earlier, Ned Stark is like the definition of morals on here. Brienne might actually be. Yeah. Like she's got this honor thing that gets a little annoying sometimes, but she's badass. I I like her a lot. Uh, Next one tied very closely to Brienne of Tarth is Tormund Giant's Bane. Yes, <laughs> I love Tormund. Yes. Tormund is amazing. What a fantastic, like the enemy turned friend relationship with Jon Snow, uh, his love for Brienne. Just like this guy, great. You're also probably noticing, I think there's definitely like the, those are, are with Davos, with Tormund, and with my next one. These are the characters that bring a lot of comic relief. Yeah. Because my last honorable mention is the one who I think just barely beats out a lot of Tyrell for funniest character in the show, and that is Braun. Mm-hmm. Okay, Braun's good. I think Braun is so funny. The the comedic timing of that actor, I don't even know who he is, but his timing is so perfect. Uh, I love the way he never get. he's like the one character who never gets caught up in the Game of Thrones. He is a mercenary through and through. He doesn't give a shit who's in control. He just wants to do his thing. I, I love his... He's got great arcs with and relationships with different characters, right? The beginning with Tyrion. He's got a cool, a funny, interesting dynamic with Jamie later on when he's like training Jamie how to fight again without his hand. Uh, and then, you know... Throughout the the rest of it, he has some some great dynamics with some of the people within that like Daenerys Snow that cluster of people. Uh, I love Bronn. I think he's hilarious. He's not like the best guy in the show, but he's also not the worst guy. He's just out to make a buck. Yeah, so big fan of Bronn. What are your honorable mentions, Clay? So my first honorable mention. I'm so glad you said Bran of Tarth. I love this character. I also think Gwendolyn Christie is one of the best actresses. She's gorgeous. She's funny. She just plays the role so well, once again, with casting. Maybe unpopular opinion, I kind of liked the High Sparrow in his timeline. I think that was a well-done character because he has one intention, and maybe there are some underlying political intentions, but that's like something that is for like the viewer to kind of play with. I think that was a decent... Uh, Storyline, Masande of Narth. 
I love Masande. She does a great job playing like the voice of reason for a lot of these characters, especially that connection with Littlefinger and Daenerys. Uh, I have Oberyn Martell as well. He's just, he's funny. He's kick-ass. Another funny kick-ass character that probably had one of the most impactful deaths on my understanding, Liana Mormont. Oh, yeah. Great, great kick-ass little girl. Um, And probably one of the saddest deaths that I saw that I was just like, they deserve so much more better. Uh, both Liana and then Sir Barristan Selmy. Mm. Sir Barristan was one of those, he knew when it was time to abandon the King's Guard, yeah. go fight for the right ruler. Um, and he just died in such a sad way in an alley when he was so honorable yeah. and such a great, great warrior, great fighter. I've, I'm glad that all of those are good. I'm glad that you said Masande because I honestly left her off because I figured, I assumed she'd be on yours. Yeah. She all, she was actually another one who, when I first made my list, she was in my top five. I just, um, she doesn't do enough. She doesn't do enough, but she, yeah, she, it's, it's kind of, yeah, I agree. I agree. Same, similar how I feel about like Varys and Littlefinger where it's like, they have their hands and stuff, her in a different way, in a more honorable way. She's a great character. I'm glad that you included her. Got you. Noah. Um, so, my honorable mentions, I would say I agree with especially several of the ones that were mentioned. Braun is a fantastic character. I love that character. Um, Missande, man, Missande and Grey Worm is easily, in my mind, the best love story on the show. Um, absolutely love that. Mm. Yep. But by far. Sir Davos is just absolutely fantastic. Great character. Great guy. Love him. I actually did throw an honorable mention to Jon Snow because I think I'm with you guys on that whole, like, I don't like him that much as a character, right? Like I'm not really into the whole Jon Snow thing, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think he deserves mention purely for the fact that like he does stick it out, right? Like however unrealistic that may seem, um, he does kind of maintain that like high morals. Um, He sticks to his guns after dying <laughs> and yeah. coming back, um, and and then at the end, like he's he's the one who makes the really tough call to kill Daenerys. Um, yeah. Like I think it deserves an honorable mention. Um, and then lastly, I'm actually really glad Clay brought up uh, Liana because uh, I, the houses, the main houses, kind of either didn't interest me or let me down to the point that if I had to pick a house. And, and like, if I was in Game of Thrones, right, and I've got to pick the house that I, like, hang out with, I think it's got to be House Mormont, to be honest. Oh, interesting. You would, you would like, get along with um, episode three uh, cast member Nick Taylor, who oh, yeah. has a very strong connection to House Mormont. Yeah, I don't know. I just, all the, the three main characters from that house, you know, they have their, uh, well, Liana doesn't really get much screen time. But like Jorah, Jorah has his struggles and all that. But the pretty much everyone from House like Mormont, Jorah. like, I just solid characters. Like the kind of people I'd want to be around if I were like in Westeros. Like I'd want to have Lyanna or um, the Captain of the Night's Watch or the leader of the Night's Watch or Jorah like have my back. Like mm-hmm. solid, solid people. So I agree. Jorah was almost an honorable mention for me. I took him out to include Oberyn. I, I like Jorah. Clay just seems to not. He's just like whiny. I, he is kind of why. Here's honestly my thing with him. So I love like he's arguably one of, if not the most loyal character. Yeah. But the thing that I don't like is it's like his loyalty to Daenerys feels a little creepy. 
Like it's like oh yeah, well he admits to being he, in love with her, right? Yeah. And he meets her when she's supposed to be like 12, 13. Now, granted, like obviously Amelia Clark was not twelve or thirteen uh, when the show started, but like was supposed to be playing a young girl. So he decided to kind of there's a definitely a, a Crystalia thing there. Uh, <laughs> Red flags, topical uh, of like was Jorah kind of grooming Daenerys for himself, like problematic for sure yeah but i and i agree his dad lord command the lord commander whose mm-hmm. name i don't actually know um was also a great character i'm also glad that you put Jon snow in there i was reveling in the fact that we were probably the furthest into an episode of a podcast about game of thrones <laughs> that anybody's ever gone without talking about Jon snow really much at all jor Mormon. is his name is what jor jor g-e-o-r Gior. Oh, Gior. Gior Mulan. kind of a dumb name. Um, but, <laughs> but like, I think, yeah, I mean, Jon Snow, the thing is, is he's obviously so critical to the story. You know, it, like, he's a big part of it. There are times where I, I'm like, fuck yeah, Jon Snow. I, like, there are episodes where I absolutely love him as a character. And there's episodes where I'm like, you whiny bitch, just... Get over it. Whatever it is that he's struggling with at the time, just get over it. Yeah, (laughs) he is super whiny, but he also at times is obviously a badass and is meant to be kind of... I I think the thing is you watch it and you want him to be like the Aragorn of this universe. And he's just not that. He's like Aragorn mixed with uh, Sam from Lord of the Rings, not Santar, although kind of. Um, and, and like, so he has that kind of like whiny, like, oh, Mr. Frodo. Uh, but like also swinging his sword around. So like, kind of cool. I don't know. Also like, I don't know, he's just kind of a bitch. Yeah, he's a little bitch. When Eager, it's like coming on to him and he's like, he's, a more he's like, I don't Jones know, I'm is. a virgin. It's like, just come on, dude. Stick her with the pointy end. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, bottom five. <laughs> bottom five. Bottom five. All right. My bottom five starts out with a character that is probably my least favorite character of any character that gets introduced in the whole show, but he's not on there long enough to, like, really... Whatever. It's Viserys. Daenerys' brother. He's a little... Speaking about whiny bitches. I hate that guy so much, but I think the reason he's not, like... The bottom of my bottom five is just the fact that, like, he's meant to be hated, I think. And all he does is show up to be a bitch. Like, he's not... There's nothing where you feel like they're trying to make you like him. Like, they did a good job of making a hateable character there. Most One of the most satisfying deaths on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get your crown of gold, and then, oh, yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> love that. Uh, next is actually... I'm kind of cheating here. Uh, because it's a pair of people who are very different, but I, they get grouped in my mind of like useless young characters, and that's Rickon and Tommen. They, yeah, both of them are just meh. Like, why are you here? Also, Rickon, Serpentine, Serpentine, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> why are you running in a straight line? You deserve that. The um, only game he ever played was catch. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Rickon. He's he just. I, I guess I, I shouldn't say I hate him because it's like. Well, I'm he, pretty sure even George R. R. Martin said that he wrote Rickon in the story as a filler character. Like he yeah. is designed to be the most pointless piece of shit ever. He's not important. Oh, uh, he also named his direwolf Shaggy Dog. Like, bitch, I'll kill you. Yeah, yeah, that's so dumb. 
<laughs> so Rickon and, and then Tommen is the other one in that grouping of just like, I don't know, like he's, man, he's just is pointless. I mean, obviously like he discovers his love for having sex with Marjorie Tyrell, which like relatable. Same. But um, other than that, just like, I, I, when he, when he jumped out of that window, I was like, yeah, seems about right. Like I'm good with that. Yeah, see ya. This is the ending that I he was also proper for you. Destined by a Cersei's soul. Cursed yeah, thing yeah, to die. So. Yeah. Uh, next one, the creepiest old man in the show, Walter Frey. Uh, okay. Not who you were thinking. No. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, he's got a lot of competition. <laughs> Walter Frey just, you know, you can't, you can't trust him. And he just makes my skin crawl every time... I see him. And there's another character that may get mentioned by somebody else that I thought about including because my skin crawls, but I think they did a better job with them. Walter Frey is just like, we get it, Game of Thrones. There's a creepy old man. Like, I, I don't Let's know. Make him more creepy. It's just, it's just not, not fun for me. He doesn't add much. I love watching him die too. Next one, maybe a little bit better done of a character, but the person He's not the worst character in my mind, but he is the one I hate the most uh, long-term because I said that I hate Viserys the most, or Viserys, which is you. I have a visceral hate for for Viserys. No, Joffrey. Joffrey, you're not interesting. Like, he's just a little sociopathic kid. And he's evil, which I guess is supposed to be his personality trait. But, like... There's nothing about him that's compelling. It's just like, you suck. So, but like, there's no, he has no like motivations. He, he, I guess power. He doesn't doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He just, he's a, he's sadistic. And like, he clearly has some issues, but it's not like Cersei does fucked up things. And you're like, yeah, I see why she's doing, she's got a path that she's on. Mm-hmm. Joffrey's just kind of like he's truly sociopathic and it's just not fun to watch Dylan maybe the worst character like worst constructed character in a television show that I've maybe ever seen the Night King wow the Night King is a terrible character because and, and maybe this captures that like spending eight seasons building up to something and he's just there's nothing, and maybe it's because it fizzles out the way it does. It's just like, it's done. There's just nothing interesting about him. I will hardly disagree. Wow. What's interesting about him? He, he is untapped power. You can't defeat him because he is the embodiment of death. The only Unless way you're a little girl with a dagger. Okay, cool. So they find one. But that's the thing. It took them so long to figure out that, yes, Dragon Glasses was designed to kill him. But he, they gave him an interesting backstory with the with Leaf and the, what, the Children of the Forest. Yeah. Saying that humanity like was the problem. Humanity is the virus. So they yeah, cool tried, story. Not a cool character. But they don't need to give him, like, dialogue. They don't need to give him more backstory. Because his whole point is to take over the world. Is it? Well, that's what he's doing. That's what he I, well, that's almost a, did. Yeah, I agree. That is what he's trying to do. That's what, like, he's on the path to doing. But you, there's, but why? 
Like, there's, you never know why. He's just, like... Because he's not supposed to be a character. He's supposed to be, like, almost a disease. Like, right. an unstoppable entity. But he is a But character. giving him a face and such a creepy aura, I don't know. I just disagree. I think I, think I hate in movies and TV shows and books or whatever where you just have the, the like, big bad. The, the bad guy that's just, like, it's just evil. Like, he just represents... Like, Cersei is a personification of evil. But they have both. That's why. They need the big bad because you have so many other characters who are bad on their own right doing good things and you're connecting to, but there's an overarching... That's what makes the show so good because you have the Game of Thrones going on, but there's an overarching thing. Like, are they going to end up getting together to face the unstoppable force of the living dead? And once that, that thing finally ends, the last three episodes, you're like, okay, well, there's that thing. Now it's done. So... What's going to happen now? Like the whole point of Game of Thrones was to defeat the White Walkers. Mm-hmm. And now when it was over the last year, you're just like, okay, so how are we going to finish this now? I just think, well, I mean, I think the, the Night King, I, I kind of, what Clay was saying, I'm not sure I would put him in a top or bottom five, like at all, just because. No. I, it, well, if people have seen the show lost, there's like the, the, like the black mist or whatever on lost. Yes. Like, I think there's mm-hmm. things in shows that are really a really good part of them. And like Clay said, it, it's, it's that, that big thing you do have to defeat, but I don't know how that ever be developed as a character or personality. I, I guess maybe you could, like, it depends the story you're going for where you can develop like somewhat of a, a Saruman uh, personality, like with Lord of the Rings. But in this case, I'm not sure that I would lump him in with any of the other characters in terms of rating him if i did he would be low because he's uninteresting in that sense but i don't think he's in the same camp well and i and i think that's my thing is it feels like they try to make him a character like the others like especially later on where they're really trying to they're trying to he gets a little bit more camera time and it's like this is a person and it's like okay if you're gonna make it a character like I've, i've honestly never watched lost but like the idea from what I understand of the whole black fog thing or whatever it is, like that's not a character, you know? So like in the, in, in the traditional sense, at least, I don't know how it plays out, but once you make it like a person, basically now I want motivation. Now I want like, why is he doing these things? What, like what's going on? What are the inner workings of kind of his plan? And he just wants to destroy everything, which is like, I, it's he not makes a world in his image. It's not interesting to me. I agree to disagree. <laughs> <sighs> it's about time we had some disagreement on this episode. Yeah. I don't know why, but then I, that got under my skin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe you're a white walker. I'm white. All right. So, <laughs> I walk. All right. So, my bottom five. So, I have two dishonorable mentions. Dishonorable. Dishonorable mentions. It was Jon Snow, because he's such a whiny little turd. Uh, And Catelyn Stark, who is also just as whiny. I understand she's a lot cooler in the books. She she's so much cooler in the books, and she is resurrected as Lady Something Stone. Like she's a zombie after uh, the death of the Red Wedding. So like in the books, yes, she's probably much more badass. She probably has better character development in that. But the entire time she's in the show, she's like. My sons, my sons. She annoys the show out of me. She's fucking Yeah. Right. But to get into my actual dishonorable mention, or my bottom five, rather, these are characters that 
are decently cool in the show, but they just, they don't get the development that they really need to become actually really interesting. Um, the first one is the Three-Eyed Raven. Mm. The Three-Eyed Raven is such a cool concept. And I think when you're talking about how you need the Night King to have so much more motivation, I feel like they're living in the world of humans and like the Three-Eyed Raven and the Night King are kind of like, demigods almost to the point where they're above human control, but they need to fight off and do whatever. So once Bran becomes the Red Raven, like Bran just becomes so much less interesting because you don't know what the hell is going on. You, and I guess that's kind of the point that it's not for us to understand, but like I want to, and it pisses me off. So you're in my bottom five. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like (laughs) the reveal of him as just this like old dude in a tree. Yeah. Just like, I mean, he's like, he's not in a tree. He's like on a tree branch or whatever. He's like in it. Yeah. It's like a, (laughs) almost like a throne type of situation. I don't know. But, but he's also like, he's a cover up for their, they had no way. I think they just couldn't figure out how to reveal a lot of that backstory. So they were just like, here, we'll throw this guy in there to explain everything in season six. Short where he gives like the rundown of all this stuff with the banking and the, well, actually I think it's like season, well, maybe it is season six because brand's gone for full season season time yeah anyway um number two is kind of another tie because they kind of exist only to support a better character um dario naharis mm-hmm. supporting <laughs> hate him daenerys like he, he switches characters his first character is introduced as a whole different actor and then it's completely different he's yep. just like the cool guy with the sword and yeah. he's convenient for one thing and then he's just around to be the love interest mm-hmm. and then thoros of mir He's one of the, he's the, um, he practices, he, he worships the Lord of Light. Oh. He's the one that keeps on bringing back Derek and Darian. Yep. Mm. And he just dies beyond the wall because they needed someone who wasn't a main character to die beyond the wall. Yeah. Right. Like zombie polar bear, just get rid of Thoros Amir. And then that makes <laughs> Derek and Darian's char- character so much more interesting because now he can't be brought back. I feel like Thoros Amir can get so much more story because he has such a strong power to easily resurrect the dead. I don't know. Uh, Number three, Edmure Tully. So irritating. Like that's the wedding that was happening at the red wedding, Mm -hmm. but he's just another whiny little bitch. The entire show. He is just has, he has no purpose other than to instigate the red wedding and kill other characters as a result of his existence. Um, Number four, the ex machina called Benjen Stark. He, he only exists to repel the plot. He doesn't have any character whatsoever than to tell Jon Snow to go to the wall. And then Benjen dies beyond the wall. I'm like, oh my god, Benjen was so great. And then he comes back seven seasons later yeah. to save them in the time warp that is beyond the wall on that frozen island. Was it, that kind of like, I, I, and then maybe I'll get it back on the rewatch, but like, it feels like they didn't really explain. Like, no, he was like half didn't. zombie kind of situation, but They're like, like yeah, it was just when they found him first, he's like, yeah, I was dying. And then I think one of the children of the forest found him and stopped the process mm-hmm. of him turning into a white walker. So he's like technically dead, but like not white walker dead. I don't know. He pisses me off. I also did read something about this that that I thought you can read. I heard something. <laughs> Guys, all right, breaking news. I learned how to read last week. Uh, all right. I know, but I'm scared to tell people because I'm afraid you'll test me, and I don't know if I could do it. But anyway, uh, I did read that the whole Benjen saving them thing when they were, or not, but like coming in when they were stuck out, whatever. That whole situation is like one of the first things that they wrote in 
that was after like the books ended. Mm, they could have done so much better. Yeah, yeah, but that was but, but that was like one of their first major decisions that they made with no books, to, no source material, which we should have all taken that as a sign that they had no clue what the fuck they were. Yeah, doing. yeah, fair. Yeah, um, and finally, my bottom of the bottom, my bottom five, make them as a shock is Loris Tyrell. Oh. I'm going to be slamming a Tyrell because his whole character trait is being gay. There's nothing to go with a character except for being gay, and he gets him in trouble in every situation. Like They do a such better job writing LGBTQ plus characters, such as Oberyn and Ilaria Sand. Mm -hmm. They do so much better doing that, but the whole point of Loris' character is to cause problems because he's a gay person. Yeah. It's just like he's, he's also dumb. He's also stupid as hell. Like his whole thing with Renly, where he's constantly in Renly's ear about like you could become king. Like, does he not understand that Renly at that point, when when Robert is still alive, Renly's like fourth in line. Like, either he doesn't get it or he's just overly ambitious. And I think he doesn't get it. Like, I think he's stupid. Also, that scene where he's shaving Renly. Do you remember that? I yes. Uh. Yes. I think it's them trying too hard to like look at us representing like a kind of homoerotic scene. Get it? They're gay. It's like okay, but like why? Why shaving? Why is that what you decided to do? <laughs> it was. It was. It's just he's True. in the apparently in the books. He's so much better done, and there's more Tyrells that exist, but they picked Loris just to be. A problem character. He has no other plot line than to make it hard for Olena and Marjorie. Yeah. So he does he, have a good line. Yeah. With one good line, and that's when Jamie tells Loris, like, you'll never marry Cersei. And Loris goes, and neither will you. Like, that was a burn. That's that pretty solid. Burn. That's pretty solid. But other than that, that's a like, good one. That's a good one. You're, that and this applies to everybody. Your sexuality is not, that's not a, a like, personality trait. trait. Like, mm-hmm. get over it. It's fine. Whatever. Like, I guess good for having representation, but, like, it also... They also represent it so much better with other characters. Right, right. So give him a personality. Yeah, just hey. make him interesting. Make him interesting. He's not. Bottom five, Noah, hit him up. Let's do it. All right, so my bottom five, uh, I'll start off by uh, going off of something Clay said earlier, um, that there are, in fact, two interesting Stark characters, but uh, Rob Stark is certainly not one of them. Agreed. So uh, Rob Stark is the uh, first on my bottom five. I just feel like he always manages to make uh, terrible decisions. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if he's just... Kind of like we said before, like I'm not sure if you're just stupid or if you're overconfident, but uh, so many things that he does just end up with terrible things happening, um, a la the the red wedding. Um, so, like I don't know, just I know I don't get how that character can be so inept at so many things that he does, despite a couple. Because you want to like him, yeah, yeah. Like he seems like he's going to be good at first, I think. And like Noah said, he's stupid. He makes the wrong decision to marry, um, what, Elisa? Uh, uh, Talisa. Talisa. So he makes the decision to marry her instead of going through with this. And guess what? Arrows. She's a much better character than he is. Correct. I think it's, again, I mentioned with Jon Snow, the like, being the Aragorn of this, they kind of present him that way Mm. for a little bit. Yeah, right. And then. Not so much. Not so much. All right. So the the, the next one on my bottom five, uh, not a very well 
developed like a very small piece in this, but I mean, in the same way, Viserys was, was a small part. And I'm going to, I'm going to call out the Reed brother and sister who come in to try and help, um, Bran and, uh, and Rickon. I, I don't like that pair. I don't see the reason why they had to show up. I mean, you, you could, you could have written the story in such a way that they never showed up and helped. They weren't there. Like, I, I don't see why we need them. Um, I didn't like them either. I, I, my, my, just kind of a deep cut. That's like, a, yeah. I wouldn't have, I didn't think of them. It took me a second. Jojen Reed and Tar- Mira? Mira. Mira yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'm just going to go with it. I don't know. I just, they felt. I think Jojen's there to help Bran realize his power. I guess there's that. That's the only reason they would be there. Yeah. But like, he could, he could have gone. Yeah, but. Because he also yeah. has some sort of powers, right? Yeah. I don't know. They could have ended up in the same place, going to the Three-Eyed Raven, like finding his way there. I think it could have happened without them. And I think the way that they showed up in the show was not compelling or interesting to me. I agree. And they, they just kill him off when they get there. So, yep. Yeah. Um, so then I also had uh, Rickon Stark, just yet another of the uninteresting Starks who doesn't do anything and needed to serpentine and not get shot in the back. <laughs> not a hard thing to do. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> back and forth, side to side. It just seems so obvious, really. <laughs> yep. Uh, my next, or fourth one on the list, uh, also mentioning Dario Naharis, just is, is only there to be the guy who's like, I'm in love with you and will do anything for you. And then that's exactly what happens. And she tells him to stay and he stays. And then he's never really part of the story again. Just you, you deserve that, bud. Like you deserve to not be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He like foils Jorah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my last, uh, my very last one, Robin Aaron, because anyone, <laughs> anyone who breastfeeds past the age of, well, what I don't know. Like he's what he's ten or something like that, or eleven. He's too old to be <laughs> suckling on the teeth right. of yes. his mom. Yeah, right. Like honestly, that that in and of itself would almost just put him on my bottom five if he weren't also an incredibly annoying and and not interesting character. Yeah. So that's that's my bottom five. And then he's Lord of the Eerie. Yeah, he's Lord of the Eerie, sucking on them titties. He loved it too. He like there's that one scene where he's like, I'm hungry. And she's like, not now. He's like, no, I'm hungry. It's like, dude, you need to calm. This is when she I know she was kind of like not all there at that point, but like you need to recognize there's something wrong here. Um yeah, shout out to that whole situation. For sure. All right, I'm kind of there's a few characters I'm surprised weren't mentioned. Like who? The one that I thought was going to show up in a bottom five was going to be Ramsey Bolton. He's a good character. He's just a good character. That's what I was saying. And that's who I was alluding to. Like he's, like he's somehow the most monstrous monster on the show probably, but yeah, he is a good character. I just thought he might show up in somebody else's. Um, No Greyjoys showed up. Mm -hmm. I thought, I thought Theon or Euron, Euron, yeah, yeah, might show up because Euron, I think, is funny. Yeah, and it's just like funny bad guy. Yeah, Theon has one of the better redemption arcs, I think, in the whole show. He's just a shame. Yeah, I, th- I don't like the actor. I don't like the. There's something about him. 
Uh, Yara is good. I like Yara. I love Yara Greyjoy. Um, Sand Snakes are not very popular, but I think they're kind of fun. Yeah, that's true. they are. Uh, Sansa is definitely up in the top ten for yeah. sure. I, I agree. love Sansa Stark. She's just so annoying early on. Mm-hmm. It gets her very bad. But I think a lot of that's Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. I mean, also we didn't really mention um, Samuel Tarly. I think just a really kind of a cookie cutter character, but also a solid one, and does some really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Super important to the plot. I, I, I like Sam. I think it is just that he feels he remind he does remind me of Sam from the Lord of the Rings in that like not that I mean they're different, obviously, but like in the role that he plays, like of being that like friend of the guy who's really supposed to save everything. Mm-hmm. But then like he yeah, he just kind of annoys me sometimes. Same Ron Weasley. Yeah. And his whole his like immediate fascination with Gilly is kind of weird. The one that almost that just if I had done dishonorable mentions, the one that would have just missed out on my bottom five is Cal Drogo. I like the character. I just don't like what they did with him. Like it's he's barely in it. Yeah. And he's so badass and like could have been a cool part of the story. I feel like they could have done things with Daenerys without having to kill him. I think that gives Daenerys her more of her. I think they could have killed her later, maybe I should say. I just like him. I think it's like you have Jason Momoa, who I guess wasn't a big star at that time. I guess. I think maybe it's like kickoff. But like, it just feels like he could have done more with him. Like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Ned Stark should have lasted longer. Like, no, I would sacrifice Ned Stark two episodes in if it meant a few extra episodes of Cal Drogo. Or even in the time he's in it, a little bit more look into like... The Dothraki. Him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think those are the only other characters I kind of was thinking about. There's just so many. There are so many. There this was hard too. Yeah. Like this, like TV theme songs. This was hard to like narrow down to get down to that. I mean, we didn't talk about Melisandre either. She's interesting. She is interesting. I had her up there for a while, but yeah, she sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that that wraps it up for the most part. I know next week we're probably going to work on Disney super villains as our category. Yeah. So Disney villains is our next one. We have to do some work to clarify parameters of that, I think. But Disney villains is going to be coming up next week. And then I think we're going to get back into a couple food related things potentially. Yeah, we'll see. Send us your ideas. We are live on social media now. So yes. if you want to plug that. Yeah, absolutely. We are live on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Everything is at top five M and C. You can go and give us a follow. Uh, we'll be posting different categories from polls, things for you to interact with other people, interact with us. That way you can tell us feedback, say how much you love how what I have to say and not what Mike has to say. Yeah. Things like that, of course. Um, but we are live on all three of those platforms and we're very interested to hear what you think of, uh, you know, what's going on. We are. We love to, we love to get feedback, gotten some good reviews from friends, but we want to reach out to more people. So, uh, thank you so much, Noah, for coming on. You were, uh, as always a delight to talk to. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. That was great. Any parting words as a Game of Thrones character? (laughs) As a Game of Thrones? No, I, uh, you know, I think. My only parting words would be um, that I think I'm going to have to stick with my house Mormont. I think I'm going to have to get into that. Get me a nice banner or something. I like that. We'll get you a tattoo. There you go. Let's all get matching Game of Thrones tattoos. (laughs) Okay. But matching, I mean, I'm getting a Tyrell. I'm going to get the Night King's face tattooed on my face. Ooh. Perfect. Yeah. So that's what I'm going for. All right. Sorry, Michael's mom. (laughs) 
Uh, we need one of those. Thanks again for a fantastic episode. Of, we didn't throw each other at Casey. This is, oh, I was going to no. say, this is the first episode we haven't uh, made fun of Casey. But I got nothing. Yeah. It's all right. I really have. I've been trying to think of something <laughs> tied into this. But I just... I don't know. True. In fact, I'll I'll even give a shout out to Casey. Casey was one of the uh, people who who helped get me into some of these uh, most interesting parts of Game of Thrones, and definitely was a big cheerleader for like, oh, you know, she was there for me. Like, oh, I'm feeling those emotions with you. Um, so thanks, Casey, for supporting me as I went through my first Game of Thrones watch. I may have to edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> we can't have positive things about uh, this right? breaking character. <laughs> yeah, this is, but um, I don't know. I, if Casey were a Game of Thrones character, she'd be about as interesting as she'd be. Osha. She'd be Lady. Lady. She'd be Shaggy Dog. Shaggy Dog. Right, hey, Casey, dog. Shaggy Dog. All right, we're closing <laughs> there. Bye, guys. All right. Outro. Bye. Bye. Bye.